The Medicare Space podcast was created for all people, not only to learn about Medicare and insurance, but to also help others discover the resources they can actually use that will make their lives a little less stressful, and hopefully we can improve some lives along the way. Hello, hello, everyone. My name is Victoria Cabrera, and I have a very, very wonderful guest with me here today. She's an author. She's a podcast host. She's a coach and a mentor to to people in insurance niches. Her name is Faye Horton. Faye, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so happy that you can help us um, get, you know, get information out to our seniors that are out there. You've been in the senior insurance industry for for quite some time, and I know that you'll be able to help us shed light on this very topic that I think, and you, I, you've brought this to my attention as well, that I think that would help a lot of seniors out there in our community. But before we get to today's topic, I want you to quickly introduce yourself to our audience and let them know really quickly who you are, so that way they know who you are and they can get to know you a little bit better as well. Thank you so much for having me, Victoria. This is quite an honor. I have talked about the topic that we're going to talk about today many, many times. I've had um, the police officials come in to different senior meetings to help to express what elderly abuse is about. But let me tell everyone that I am Faye and I sell Medicare plans. That's my brand. So my website is I sell Medicare plans. My podcast is I sell Medicare plans. And it's available on eight through eight different media. So you can find it on Anchor, Spotify, uh, many of the podcast uh, media outlets. So anytime uh, anyone who's in the Medicare area and want to know about selling or growing a Medicare business, listen to the podcast, go to the website. That's me. I have been doing this for a while, but it doesn't mean that I know everything. But because I've covered this topic uh, several times, I thought it would be good because it's going on in, in the world today. And thank you so much. In case uh, you guys, we wanted to kind of introduce the topic um, today, for those of you that are listening in, and Faye, just to let you know, the people that listen to the podcast are, are typically our senior population, but I always want to let people know this is not just for seniors. This is for people, our, maybe our community partners out there, like providers, um, maybe the sons and daughters and uh, of the senior that they're maybe caretaking for. So this is going to reach a broad audience, and today we're going to be touching on a very a sensitive topic known as elder abuse, okay? And Faye was gracious enough to come on here and talk to this. Like she said, she's been in the business a very long time, a lot longer than I have. And I, it's always good to have a colleague to talk about these things and be able to get the information out to you guys. Um, so you can share this information if you feel that somebody is experienced some of these things. You know, Faye, I've always heard about elderly abuse, but you know, when you think of abuse, you automatically think of like physical, for some reason, that's exact. That's what comes to my mind. Can you tell me 
some of the types of elderly abuse or what people can expect when, when they say, when we say elderly abuse? Yes, I certainly can. And of course, um, because most of us are visual, mm -hmm. the first abuse that we think about is physical abuse. So that might be where we are seeing someone who has bruises or cuts or they're frequently saying that they've fallen. Um, they, you may even see a senior with a black eye and they'll say that they fell. So physical is one at the top of the list because that's the one we think of most often. But there are many types of elderly abuse and one other is sexual. There's emotional abuse. There's financial and material abuse, which is one that is well, well hidden, but many, many seniors become prey to this type of abuse. There's also neglect, abandonment, and then there's self-neglect. So all of these are types of elder abuse. Uh, the National Counseling on, on Aging Victoria says that one in 10 people age 60 over experience one or some of these types of abuse. But only one in 14 are reported. Wow. That, those numbers are very that scary. Goes on. Uh, and being in the business that we're in, we often can see or recognize abuse when others don't mm. but I'd like to kind of help everyone as you mentioned children of elders or friends family to be aware of what these abuses might be and be able to recognize any of the abuses if they think that it's going on and sometimes our biggest sign is our intuition, right? Like as, as um, you know, like you were saying, if, as family members or caretakers or something, we always have these intuition for our loved ones, even for ourselves, but more into our loved ones. And sometimes we just maybe need to listen to that intuition. But how, how do we, how do we, how, because, you know, you mentioned a lot of these different types, you know, and, and I'm sure that, our seniors, some of them maybe experience multiple, not just one, right? It might be multiple. Uh, it could be several out of the five or six or seven that you've named. But how That's are true. some things that we can identify? Or maybe is, is our seniors just, why are they so afraid to let us know or let somebody know what's going on? Well, um, actually, there are two things there. First of all, and this, this might be shocking, but 60% of the abusers are often family members. Wow. Two-thirds of the perpetrators are adult children or spouses. Oh, my goodness. So the person that is really being abused definitely is not going to be the one to step forward. They will internalize the abuse and cover it up to make reason to protect that particular family member. 
Now, that's not to say that there are not family members. There are children, there are daughters, there are sons, there are sisters and brothers, and there are even parents who actually are very loving and caring. It's just that there are some who are definitely perpetrators of the abuse. But some of the signs um, that we can look for, uh, for physical abuse, definitely it would be bruises, cuts, scars, Mm -hmm. broken bones. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, someone who is frequently telling you that they're falling, that these things happen because they fell or they bumped into something, um, any any of those signs that you can see. And, and some people do have natural bruises because of medical conditions, mm-hmm. but others will have bruises, and eventually they will show. It will be on places that you can actually see mm-hmm. the bruises. For uh, other signs would be negative behavior change. Someone who has always been outgoing, friendly, smiling, and now they are inward, they are not speaking, they are, their behavior changes. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a definite sign of something is going on. If it's not abuse, it might be one of the dementias or Alzheimer's that is setting in. Mm. So behavioral change is definitely a sign to look for. Another sign would be malnourishment or weight loss. Mm -hmm. You haven't seen a senior in a while, and when you see them again, they have such a tremendous weight loss. For us, the first question might be, when was the last time you saw your doctor? Mm -hmm. Because they are now not keeping their appointments, they're not getting the medical attention or, you know, the medical provider would have recognized that something's going on. So if we see that there's a weight loss, it's either a malnutrition um, function, a function of malnutrition because they're being withheld food or their finances are being stressed so they can't get food. Mm. Um, another is uh, sign is poor hygiene. Someone suddenly you see them and if you see them in different places at different times, they have on the same clothing. They haven't changed clothing from the last time you saw them. Um this is a symptom of depression and anxiety mm-hmm. and also confusion. Um, another way or another sign is people tend who are abused tend to withdraw from yeah. friends and family. Um, it's someone who was answering the phone when you call them, having a conversation, And now, even if you call and they answer the phone, they're quick to get off the phone. They don't answer questions. They don't want to talk. They have excuses like, oh, I have a pot on the stove, or I have to go now and let the dog out, or making an excuse to not have a conversation. If this is done repeatedly, family and friends 
um, should definitely take a closer look mm-hmm. at what's going on. Yeah, I mean, we um, tend to. Sorry about that. Yeah, we we tend to like as as family, we try not to intervene too much. But some of these things should not be taken lightly. You know, some of the things that you've mentioned, it's like. We should probably, especially now in today's climate and environment with Corona and then, you know, in certain areas, freezes were happening. It's so easy to just overlook some of those things. So I think if you're listening right now, you need to pay extra attention to what Faye's saying, because these things might be overlooked as, oh, no big deal. It's just kind of what we're going through right now. But these are very, very helpful signs that we need to look out for and take action if needed. Sorry to interrupt. Go go ahead. No, that's okay. I was just going to say, um, seniors are, are generally involved in church activities, social activities, or other senior activities in their community. So if you find someone who suddenly becomes withdrawn and they are no longer they no longer mm-hmm. wish to participate in any activity, I mean, you can understand with the weather, with the pandemic with things going on that people do may not be as sociable Mm -hmm. as they once were. But if there's always a reason or an excuse to not participate in anything, um, that's a definite sign that something may be going on. And we, you know, as a family member, as a friend, as a church member, then it's time to kind of contact somebody and, and look further into it. And you can ask questions that are non, um, that will not invade their privacy. Like, did you, mm-hmm. you know, I went to the doctor last week for my physical. Have you had yours? Uh, anything that will lead into a conversation that you might be able to get more information. But again, you have to be respectful of their privacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and often, if this person is being abused by a family member, mm. the family member might very well be standing there listening. So that's that statistic that you said earlier. Sixty percent of the time, it's it's going to be somebody that they know or somebody that's close to them. I mean, that's a very scary. And we don't know why that is, but it could be just because. You know, people might like us that are good hearted people might think, well, why would family want to do that? Or why would somebody close want to do that? We can't explain the mental issues there, but we have to come to this realization that it is happening. And sometimes it could be within the household or within our close circle of friends and family. And how like we talked about the some of the signs and I don't know if you can answer this. I'm just trying to think, you know, but we talked about some of the signs that we can see with them, but how do we identify who, you know, like if they have a, a family of 10 people, it's like, how do we even know where to start? You know, it's like, how do we start asking them more questions? Can we, you know, bring it up kind of nonchalantly and say, Hey, have you hung around with this individual in a while? I mean, how do you even see the signs on that end? You know, we start well, becoming these detectives. It's very, very difficult to find out who the perpetrator might be uh, because certainly if it's a close family member, 
the individual that's being abused is not going to want to tell anyway. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to want to tell because they want to protect the person. They're not going to want to tell because they feel, they have already rationalized in their minds that this person loves them and they're doing the right thing. But we have to realize that there are family members who are taking care of their mothers and grandmothers' uh, finances, and they may feel that they're making the right decisions for them, but they're not. Uh, Let's take an elderly person who has to depend on a daughter or a son to do grocery shopping, to to pay their bills. So now that person knows everything about their bank account, and that person goes grocery shopping maybe once a week, but that individual's car breaks down and they got to get to work, and they have a family with a wife and two children. So they need $400, $600 to get their car repaired. Where are they going to get it? They're going to take it from their mother's account. Now, when it's time to go get groceries, they still love that parent, but they don't have enough money to buy the necessary healthy foods that the mother should have. So there are instances where the perpetrator doesn't really mean to be the perpetrator, but it just happens, and it is difficult to identify. We really have to try to... Uh, find out what we can, being outsiders, unless it's our family, mm-hmm. and then just help as much as we can to guide the individual to someone else mm-hmm. or some social service uh, entity that might be able to help. And if you find where there is total neglect and the person is like malnourished, then you can report it to the health department, and they will go in and investigate. Yeah, and sometimes it goes that far, and sometimes it doesn't. Then you have those seniors who are starting to have dementia, mm-hmm. and they may not remember things the way it should be. So you may say, did you have breakfast this morning? And they'll say yes. And I have experienced this uh, with a friend mm-hmm. who uh, she would say yes. Well, you go to her house, whatever. And at this time, her sister was preparing meals for her. When you go there, they would all be sitting there. She did not eat not one meal. Mm. So she'll say yes on the phone, but she hasn't eaten the food. So she required, you know, instead of someone going by and fixing the meals in advance, being with her to actually see that she ate the meals. She also, I mean, her personal hygiene, she would say, oh, yeah, I took a shower this morning. Mm-mm, not at all. Wow. So these are situations, you know, when we have suspicions of uh, abuse, it could be just simply because, the person is getting to that stage in age when they're not remembering the things that they should as well. Yeah, and that kind of makes them a little bit of an easier target per se if somebody's already started that abuse and they are dealing with some declining health issues. 
it kind of just makes it a little easier for that individual that's that's maybe um, on the other side of it that's intentionally doing this abuse. And mm-hmm. and that I think a, a solution would be, you know, the the family that's close, or if there are family and friends, it's like I know we're all busy, but just taking that a little extra time to check in, you know, I think right. we all get busy with our own lives, but I think just taking that extra time to check in with that individual, you know. So if you're you know, listening, if you're listening right now and you feel that inkling of, oh man, you know what? I do need to call my grandma. I haven't talked to her in about a week, or my aunt's not doing so well. I haven't talked to her in a month. It might be time to check in. <laughs> that is a that's great advice, Victoria. I uh, a few years ago made a decision that when someone crosses my mind, that as quickly as I can, I'm going to call them then, mm. because you do not know and. If they cross your mind and you have a thought that you need, it's time for you to reach out, then it is time for you to reach out to them. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, there's so many um, situations that, I mean, like I was saying, we all get busy, but we, if there's things that we can do and there's things that you guys can do out there, but if there's anything, it's like, well, how can I help? I don't know. I'm not a detective. I don't, well, there's a few things is, you know, at least checking in is one of the probably easiest ones that you can do right now. And so, I mean, I'm guilty of it. You know, that's, it's probably, I could probably do better on my end too. I get busy with the business and other things. And it's just like, you know, I need to listen to my intuition sometimes and just pick up the phone. I mean, it's not that hard anymore. You got text messaging, you got phone, you got zoom, you got all kinds of ways, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the effects of abuse, um, runs into billions of dollars and we don't, we don't even realize it. Um, And the people who are in these situations are at a 300% higher risk of death than people who are not. But most states have some penalties for uh, people who victimize the elderly. I mean, it should be a huge penalty for that. I mean, that is something not to be taken lightly, you know? Well, and talking about the effects, you know, we talk about, you know, you you talked about some of the signs, right? Mm -hmm. But there's two, there's two, probably two effects and or more. You have the physical, right? And then you have the emotional side where it could possibly cause those depression and anxieties and things that they never had you know, are those, are those some of the two things that you see a lot? Are those, are those two ends of the spectrum is maybe a health decline and an emotional decline when they start experiencing these types of abuses? I think that's probably one of the first signs to see not, uh, I don't see, or I haven't seen so much the physical, mm-hmm. um, because obviously if if someone is batter, battering or beating this mm-hmm. person, that's going to be well hidden. But mm-hmm. the emotional side, uh, when I meet with a client who, uh, and I mean, we all have this, where if it's husband and wife and the husband does all of the talking and the wife does not seem to have, I mean, you ask the question specifically of that individual 
and she looks at him. Mm. She doesn't answer. Or vice versa. The wife does all the talking, and the man looks at the wife to answer the question. You can kind of sense, I mean, you have those intuitions that say, you know, and then that's when you just kind of ask the question of the individual that might lead you to try to dig a little bit deeper. And, again, you have to respect the privacy of the individual. If they don't want to answer, they don't have to answer. But at least it gives you a clue that there may be something emotional going on. And that's also where we as professionals can help because we're able to, if we're doing a Medicare plan, we certainly can make sure that they're going to the kind of provider Mm -hmm. who is going to actually notice, pay attention, and find out if there's a deeper emotional problem there. And that's probably the best that we can do, Victoria, because we still have to respect, you know, the customer. That's a big, that's a huge thing. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, as what we do is we just don't do sell you a health insurance plan. We're trying to look at the whole picture. But at the same time, I'm glad you brought up the provider thing because a lot of our clients, and it happens more with HMO type plans, where the 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 clients like, oh, I always have to go to the doctor. The doctor always wants to see me. Well, in some cases, it might not be a bad idea. They almost might be that you know, for somebody that's listening, if you have a parent on this type of plan or an aunt or uncle you kind of have this peace of mind if they're with a provider group that offers this kind of maintenance, you know, this, um, this uh, approach where they're looking at the whole picture, you know, they're trying to keep them healthy. They can be that extra, that extra resource to say, Hey, you know, something doesn't look right here. I've saw them three months ago, but three months later, it just doesn't look right. So Mm -hmm. that that's a huge you know, we should create those relationships with those providers, not only on, you know, obviously we, we do that as, in, as professionals, but I'm talking about the individuals that are uh, maybe, maybe in charge of, of the caretaking for the parent or the friend, or maybe getting more involved, getting to know who that doctor is too, because they're essentially the one that's probably seeing them more often than you are in most cases. Right, exactly. Seniors tend to... Um... Most of them, when when they're where, they're, I mean, they know that they're going to have doctor's appointments. If you were to call them for an appointment today, the first thing they'll say is, let me check my calendar. And they're not going to work. They're not going anyplace, but they need to check to see if they have any doctor's appointments. Mm-hmm. And they look forward to keeping those appointments, and they should because this is important when they're interacting just with the the medical assistant when they walk in the office that interaction helps anyone mm-hmm. who interacts with the senior is able to help them to socialize which is important for their emotional state of health and for them to see the person physically to know that they can be able to see if anything's going on, you know, differently from the last time that they saw them. You're absolutely right. And they, and, and obviously in the medications, if they're now taking a, 
antidepressant or something like this is okay something's going on here why all of a sudden you went from zero to like five medications in the short period of time what's going on so that might be something to to create that relationship more with your parents or aunts or friends of uh, providers to get more involved at least knowing who they are right mm -hmm. um, yeah. and trying to being uh, being there um, in in some cases but you know, and that's why I appreciate some of these plans because they offer so much to the client, but that, that doctor relationship, you know, that's huge. That's really, that's a really big, big, um, benefit for the, our, our clients and our seniors to have that relationship. And if you're not getting a good doctor and you're listening right now, it's probably time to find, you know, somebody that you, yeah. you, that's a good fit for you because it is a partnership. It's a relationship. So if you're not finding that, you can reach out to one of us in your area and we can help you get, guide you in that process, you know? Exactly. Um, how, you know, we talked, I want to go back to one of the, one of the, because um, I know we talked a little bit more about the physical abuse, but right now in this environment, I really want to kind of touch base on the financial part of it. Um, you know, mm -hmm. what the... Yeah, we see a lot of the physical, but I think a lot of a lot of the abuse, I would say it's easy to take advantage of seniors when it comes to financial. Would you would you kind of say that? Yes. And um, for seniors who may be in uh, nursing facilities, mm -hmm. um, even though they may only have a certain amount of cash. Mm -hmm. depending on where they are in their financial uh, spectrum. Mm -hmm. But there is a lot of abuse in that area. And for those that are at home and have people who are coming into their homes to care for them, as well as those that are living in nursing facilities. Mm -hmm. um, because now they don't have control of their finances any longer and they're trusting whoever is the person who's supposed to be helping them to take care of their finances. Um, personally, I, you know, have experienced this with a family member and who eventually lost her home. Oh my gosh. Because, um, the thought was that the payments were being done from her bank account, but they were not. So her mortgage payments weren't made and subsequently she lost her home. So that is, that's a form of abuse. When the mm -hmm. person who's supposed to be helping and the person who's setting up your finances doesn't really handle your financial business the way that they should. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, it's very difficult to try to find who is that right person. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I've been everyone should have uh, someone outside of the family who is trusted, a trusted professional mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that if they need to ask for help, they can. Yeah. And I'll probably have to gather like a list of, of 
maybe hotlines that, and I could post it, if this goes on YouTube, we can post it in the bottom of the link where they, there's, you know, general numbers mm -hmm. that the senior can call or even the family member can call um, at least as a first step, you know, like you had mentioned, you know, a, assigning an individual that's going to be a trustworthy individual, but I, I would even say maybe have some backups, right? Like have that priority, but then have somebody number two checking in and then maybe number three would, that would come in just so that way there's more eyes on the situation. And unfortunately, and I've seen it all the time because God, I can't, I don't know how many houses I've been into where my seniors are like, hi, Miha, you know, my son, they don't come visit me. They only come when they need something. And so I'm just like, can you help right. me with it? And it's like, well, yeah, I'll try my best. You know, they're putting their trust in me. Um, but so it's so sad because in reality, there's just a lot of people that don't have those families that they could rely Absolutely. on. Absolutely, right. And maybe, right. maybe that's where your point earlier, you had mentioned, you know, reach out to somebody within the church or somebody that you know, or, you know, Mm -hmm. I would say if you're listening and you don't have the family member or the close friend, reach out to somebody within your circle of trust, right? Maybe mm -hmm. a church member or a provider where they can guide you to a resource, take advantage of your circle and you'll know kind of the people that you can somewhat trust. Yeah. Um, but I would say the more eyes on the situation, the better. And I feel like and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like, and this is for anybody, that people are just so, they don't want to be a burden. They don't want to ask for help, right? We're so, um, we're just so like, we're quick to help, but we're, we're very like, ah, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bother them today or, oh, I don't want to do this. It would be easier to prevent a situation than fixing a bad situation. Victoria, you know, and you know this because you've talked and met with a lot of seniors. Um, the first thing that they will say, and you hear this very, very often, is, oh, I didn't want to bother you. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't want to bother you. And that's, that's just the way they feel, that, that if they reach out, that it could be a bother. But, but you can't. I, I sort of made a list of some of the things that you've touched on, some of them that may help uh, your listeners who, who may need just to have some information at hand. So one thing is take care of your health, and we've talked about that. Make sure that you keep your doctor's appointments. And there are plans that will provide transportation if you need it, but make sure that you're working with someone who can get you into the plan that works so that you can keep those doctor's appointments and listen and be compliant to what the doctor asked you to do. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to seek professional help. Um, I think it would be great if you can put some hotline uh, numbers or access up so people can get that information. I didn't gather it because I know that your listeners are all over the country and in some states and even in some counties, there are departments for elderly services. Mm -hmm. So those, they can go locally to their local elderly service 
uh, organizations. Mm -hmm. The other thing is to urge family members to be involved. As a senior, don't feel like everything has to be secretive. If you have children who are responsible, who want to be involved, call them all together. Don't try to hide one thing from the other. Call all your children on the phone. Do a um, group phone call and talk about whatever the situation or issues that you feel may bother you and let them help you to figure it out. Attend support groups, either online or at your community uh, senior centers or even at your church. There are many churches in our community that have senior um, ministries. Mm -hmm. Be a part of that. At least you know that there are other people who are your age in your group who understand what you're going through because whatever you're going through as a senior, it is, you're not the first person mm -mm. and you're not going to be the last. So be involved with their church groups, um, senior ministries. Plan for your future. Plan for your future. Mm -hmm. uh, and that means having uh, a power of attorney for medical and other affairs as mm -hmm. well as doing a living will. Stay active in your community. Don't don't start to, if you feel that you are getting to the point where you don't want to be bothered, you don't want to talk to anybody, that's the problem. Yeah. And all of us have those pity parties for once in a while, but get over it. Don't yeah. let that happen more than... <laughs> 15, 20 minutes is enough, but if you got to do it for a day, you got to be by yourself for a day, okay, but mm -hmm. that's long enough. But get back with family and friends. Call somebody on the phone. Mm -hmm. And for seniors, one of the things I think that may send seniors to that depression is their friends start to die away. But yeah. don't worry about it. Make new friends. Yeah. You're never too old to make new friends. Make new friends. Yeah. Uh, make sure that you open your mail. Uh, if you're going into the depression stage or you're suffering from abuse, you will not want to open mail because you're afraid of what it says. Open it. Mm. Open it and read it. <laughs> open your mail. When I get that IRS, that IRS bill, I'm like, no, 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 I'm not opening that. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, seniors are, are definitely a target for telephone calls and telephone scams. Mm. Do not, do not, do not ever give personal information on the phone. I don't care who they say they are. You have to be sure that you're talking to the right person who should have this information. Mm -hmm. um, and direct deposit all of your income. Don't have checks coming that you got to then get to the bank to cash or deposit. Have your Social Security check, your pension check, whatever checks or income you have, direct deposit it so you know that it goes into your bank. Have your own phone. And if it's a cell phone, that's fine. If it's a house phone, 
do not rely on using someone else's phone. Phones mm-hmm. are so inexpensive to have right now, but you need to have your own phone. You also need to write passwords because everything is, you know, technical now, and you got to have passwords and you got to have usernames. Mm-hmm. Keep one book. It can be a little small one-inch by two-inch book that has all your passwords and change them often. But keep that book in a safe place. And above all, know what your rights are as a senior. Yeah, that's some great information, Faye. I mean, well, I'm listening to some of that stuff, but I feel like anybody that's listening needs to have these things in order. I mean, if I can, I can't think of the statistic, but I'm sure the number of people that don't have a will set up is very high. You know, right. so that's that's one big thing. I, I mean, I'm guilty of that myself. I'm telling people to do a living will, but I don't have one. I have uh, medical and other power of attorneys that my husband and I have done, but I've not done a living will. Yeah, I mean, it's important. I think we'll hold each other accountable to that. It's something that I've been yeah. needing to do. And you don't you think, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. It's like, no. What if something happens today and you don't know right. if, yeah, I might be healthy and running around right now, but you just never know what tomorrow brings. And you never know. You never know. And so I encourage you, I encourage people that are listening, um, especially, you know, I just, I, I want to hold people's feet to the fire as far as family members and friends that have loved ones that are of a particular age, or maybe even younger with a disability that, you know, we, you need to be more involved. You know, I get it. We get busy. We have our family. We have our, our own lives that we have to take care of. But it, it, it doesn't hurt to check in and, and kind of, you know, be available as a possible resource. And just the biggest thing is, I think, just letting people know, hey, no big deal. If you need me, let me know. I can help you with it, right? right. Because sometimes that kind of eliminates some of that fear factor of the, the senior or the individual, like, oh, I don't want to bother them. But if you open that door slightly, I think people are a little bit more open to coming in, mm-hmm. you know? And so if we just put it out there um, to our loved ones um, and, and start thinking, and, and if you're listening and you're younger, you're, you, you're in your late 50s, early 50s, 40s, 30s, whatever, you should probably start getting these things in order as well because one day we are going to be in that spot and if we can prevent that from happening, then you know it'll be better for anyone that's around us because nobody wants to see our loved ones going through hurts or pains or struggles. So if, if we can somewhat alleviate some of that and prevent that from happening, to ourselves in the future, then it's just better for everybody, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. You've, you've given us so much information. This is this was really awesome because it's a sensitive subject. People don't want to talk about it. You're right. It absolutely is a sensitive subject. And that's why I thought it would be a great one to bring up because we all need to be more aware. Mm-hmm. And yes, we all probably need to be more attentive to what we see or what we feel, that intuition, and help the seniors to 
get through or get some help if we can. That it's not something that um, seniors are going to talk about. But seniors, I encourage you, and I encourage your children, your grandchildren, and all to be on the watch out for any changes in attitude, uh, physical condition, emotional conditions, weight loss, any of those things. Just stay in touch and love your family members. That's some amazing information, Faith. Thank you so much. I mean, I, we've touched on a lot, but I think the message that I think the message today is, you know, like you said, stay in touch, you know, be aware of, of your family and, and be involved, right? Yes. It's easy. It's easy to say, but set yourself a goal to be more involved, whether it be via phone call, Zoom, a person in person meeting, or simply okay. guiding them to places that they can go to tap into, to not mm -hmm. just stay in their little bubble and, and progress the situation to even a worse situation. Is there anything else you want to add, Faye? I mean, you've already given us so much no, great information. I, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to just let people know um, that I'm here. If anybody has any questions, they can contact me through the website. Um, I'm available to answer questions, and I'm also available if someone needs more information about elder abuse, just let me know. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share the little bit that I know with your audience. Thank you so much, and we appreciate you. Like I said, guys, uh, Faye Horton, I sell Medicare plan. Is it I sell Medicare plans .com? Yes. Is that where they can find you? If you guys have more questions, please reach out to Faye. She's a, she's a great resource. If there's anything that I can do, you know how to reach me, Victoria at the medicarespace.com. You can email me if, if, or if you know somebody that's possibly going through something and you just kind of want to, you know, talk about it. I'm always here. I know Faye would be open, but like I said, we'll try to put some links down below like always, guys, thank you so much for listening. And please, please, if you don't share any other episode, share this one, because I promise you, if you share this episode, somebody, somebody out there is going to get the help that they need. And, and I promise you, you're going to thank yourself later for doing that because you're actually helping somebody and you may not even know it. Thank you so Absolutely. much, Faye. You're and welcome. we'll see. Thank, thank you guys. You. We'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you found value in this podcast, or even if you learned one thing out of today's episode, please do us a favor and share this podcast with all your family and friends that can find value in our show. If there's anything that you need, you know how to reach us, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, visit us on Facebook, and I hope you can enjoy the next show.